Welcome to the Stop Drinking Podcast, where we help you make stopping drinking a simple, logical, and easy decision. We help you with tips, tools, and strategies to start living your best life when alcohol-free. If you want to learn more about Stop Drinking Coaching, then head over to www.soberclear.com. Have you ever wondered why drinkers do all sorts of stupid and self-destructive things whilst drinking? If you were anything like I used to be, I'm sure you may have been there as well. You know, opening your eyes the morning after a night of drinking and almost cringing when we look back. Well, drinkers do all sorts of crazy things. Drink driving, unsafe sex with strangers, getting into fights, trouble with the police, you name it. But why? Why does it happen? What is it about alcohol that seems to cloud our judgment and so completely destroys our decision making? Well, ladies and gentlemen, cognitive science has worked out the answer to this and you will learn all about it in today's video. If alcohol has played a major negative role in your life or in the life of somebody that you love, I promise you that this will be an extremely illuminating video. Make sure to stay tuned. So let's have a look at some numbers from 2006. That was the year that the American Journal of Preventative Medicine published a very influential report titled Economic Costs of Excessive Alcohol Consumption in the US 2006. This is one of the best estimates that we have to this day of how much alcohol abuse costs the US economy on an annual basis. The authors of the report break down the total costs into three major categories. One is healthcare, the other is lost productivity, and the third is, quote, other effects. Now, healthcare and lost productivity are pretty self-explanatory. And if you want more information on those categories, I've linked to the report in the description below. But today, I want to look at the third category of other effects. It reads like a compendium of alcohol-induced stupidity. Criminal justice costs, $20 billion annually. When you look into the stats between alcohol and criminality, you see that alcohol is responsible for double the cost of crimes of all other drugs combined. So in other words, you add up all the criminal costs of cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, and so on, you multiply it by two, and then you can match the cost of drinking. But that's not even a fair comparison in the first place, because these are the drugs that are illegal to begin with. Just possessing them will incur a criminal cost, whereas alcohol is completely legal. Basically, all the criminal costs of alcohol are from people acting either violent or stupid. Motor vehicle crashes, $13 billion. According to the CDC, alcohol is involved in one out of three fatal car accidents. Fire losses, $2 billion. That's mostly people accidentally setting their house on fire whilst drunk. Crime victim property damage, $430 million. And finally, fetal alcohol syndrome, $368 million. In a nutshell, this is more or less the cost to the economy of drunk people doing ridiculous things that they would never do in a sober state, like driving in an incapacitated state, getting into trouble with the law, starting fires, etc. But there are other social costs to this behavior that the report does not cover. For example, we find from other reports that almost a quarter of women who turn up at a pregnancy termination facility in the United States had been binge drinking the month that they conceived. And mind you, this is the number who admit to binge drinking. 
the real figure may be much higher. And it doesn't stop there. The World Health Organization estimates that 55% of domestic abuse cases are perpetrated by drunk partners. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I could go on and on and on, but you get the picture. Alcohol can pretty much turn us into a completely different person, one that we don't even recognize and can be deeply ashamed of when we sober up. But the big question is this, how? What is the mechanism by which all of this happens? What switches does drinking flick in our brain that pushes to do all of these crazy things? Now, until a few decades ago, psychologists and other cognitive scientists explained this with the so-called disinhibition model. According to this theory, alcohol interferes with our ability to keep aggressive or impulsive behavior under wraps. So in other words, we basically lose our ability to control our impulses and then we act stupidly or violently. But this theory was simplistic, and on its own, it couldn't explain a lot of what psychologists and psychiatrists were observing. Then, in 1990, two psychologists from the University of Michigan published a landmark study titled Alcohol Myopia, Its Prized and Dangerous Effects. In the paper, they proposed that instead of inhibition, alcohol's primary effect is on attention. Alcohol distorts attention not the inhibition of impulses. And it's this distortion of attention that is at the foundation of all of the stupid, violent, and self-destructive behaviors. Hence the term alcohol myopia. Just like when you're myopic or short-sighted, you can't see past your immediate environments. So it is with drinking. According to the theory, and backed up by a large body of experimental evidence in the intervening decades, alcohol restricts the intoxicated person's attention to what is most salient, most immediate, most easy to process, and most attention-grabbing. In a nutshell, drunk people are prisoners of the present moment. And because human attention is limited, the fact that they focus it on these salient attention-grabbing cues means that something has to give. And the cues that are lost in the background, those that we don't process when we're drunk, are often less salient, less immediate, non-provocative, and inhibitory. You'll understand more about what I mean by non-provocative and inhibitory as we look into how the theory can explain specific behaviors. So let's get into that. Let's start with drink driving. Why do people drink drive? So when you've had a few too many drinks and you're considering how to get home, you're in the unfortunate position of having to do so under the effects of alcohol myopia. So what cues does alcohol myopia heighten? Well, for starters, how tired you are, how bad you feel, and how quickly you want to go home. Now, what quicker way to do this than simply getting in your car that's right there in front of you? Obviously, the other option is getting a taxi. But let's be honest, what are the first things that come to mind when you're considering a taxi? You start thinking, how much is it going to cost? How long are you going to have to wait? And all of this is happening whilst your attention is overwhelmingly focused on these cues. The taxi starts to look very unattractive. But if you review the situation the following day when sober, you will be shocked at how little consideration you gave to the less immediate and less salient cues, like the possibility of getting stopped by the police, getting in an accident, taking somebody's life, losing your freedom. All of that, which would normally inhibit you, was just squeezed out of the picture. Let's also take a look at why people engage in risky sex. The mechanism by which this happens is that alcohol heightens a drinker's sexual desire 
for the person who is right there in front of them. What happens is all they can focus on is the person and their attraction to that individual. There's also the well-known beer goggle effect, where members of the opposite sex are seen as more physically attractive whilst drunk. Now, in a sober state, we would judge their attractiveness more objectively and perhaps conclude that, hey, I don't really like that person so much. However, that's not what happens. Drinkers instead think of the immediate gratification and attraction of the person and can often end up engaging in risky behavior. They don't consider things like an unwanted pregnancy, a sexually transmitted disease, or even the loss of a partner when they discover the infidelity. It's all short-term thinking. Let's also take a quick look at aggressive behaviors. When drinkers are faced with a threatening or simply adversarial person in a drunken situation, almost all of their attention is focused on the person. And not just the person in general, but specifically on what is threatening, adversarial, or unpleasant about him or her. This magnifies the threat in their head, and they're compelled to respond aggressively, either verbally or physically. Now, in a sober state, the person in front of them would only be part of the picture. You would also consider less salient inhibitory cues, like what else is happening around you, the potential costs of your aggression, and so on. Now, experimental psychologists have actually found that when you put drunk people in adversarial situations, but distract their attention away from the other person and onto another task like an arithmetic problem, their aggression plummets. Take away the distraction and their aggression goes through the roof once again. You don't see these dramatic differences in sober people, distraction or no distraction. Their aggression levels don't change as much. Now, I should quickly clarify here that not all people become more aggressive when drunk. In many people, drinking has a completely different effect. They might simply become more talkative, more outgoing, more flirty. So clearly, there are individual differences in susceptibility to aggression, and some of them will almost certainly have a genetic component. Identifying these predictors of susceptibility to violence is one of the most important challenges that cognitive scientists face. Finally, let's take a look at suicide. In the US, about 40,000 people take their own lives every year, and suicide constitutes the 10th leading cause of death. A 2014 paper study that used national data found that alcohol was involved in the death of 36% of men who took their lives and 28% of women. The researchers estimated that drinking increased the risk of suicide by 1.8 times in men and 2.4 times in women. Absolutely tragic. Suicide researchers have noticed that one of alcohol's effects on the mind is what they have termed cognitive constriction. The intoxicated person is faced with a problem that takes over in their head and prevents them from generating alternative, realistic coping strategies. Now, the fact that they can't focus on these realistic alternatives constricts them to one of two possible solutions, death or a miraculous solution to their problems. And tragically, they will sometimes go for the former. So to conclude, it's not that alcohol removes our inhibitions, it's that it creates a short-sightedness, meaning that you can't see past your immediate environment. This is Alcohol Myopia. Stay safe and have a great day. Thanks for checking out the Stop Drinking podcast by Sober Clear. If you want to learn more about how we work with people to help them stop drinking effortlessly, then make sure to visit www.soberclear.com.